Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. The fact that Abraham was made righteous before the law existed is significant in our understanding of the purpose of the law. Keeping the law does not save you. Abraham only believed. God did the rest. Hmm. I think I'm going to find a different church. Only believed. Brent. Then Paul, he uses an illustration. I think Paul's a genius, by the way. It's almost like he writes under the inspiration of the almighty God. It's like he knows everything. Seems that way. I don't know. Number two, you're looking in your notes. Faith in God. Now he's going to begin to unpack this a little bit. Paul uses an illustration that would challenge the commonly accepted thought about Abraham. Because the commonly accepted thought about Abraham is that Abraham was made righteous by works, by obedience. Verse four. When people work, everyone say work. Their wages are not a gift, but something they earned. Now, just because it's close to home, can you imagine Monday morning, I say, here, Thomas, here's a check. Just appreciate you leading worship, preaching, doing all the stuff that he does. Just want to say thanks. It's not your wages. It's just a gift from me to say thanks. He's like, but Brent, I do this every week. This is a job. I get paid to do this. You don't pay me to do this. I mean, I think Thomas loves being here, but I don't know that he will work for free or work for a gift. Here's 10 bucks. Go buy yourself a hamburger. <laughs> 10 bucks won't get you a hamburger and fries anymore, though. You just, just a hamburger. That's it. At a cheap place. We understand when work, when people work, I was going to go off on a tangent, but I got to stay focused, Brent. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they earned. Verse 5. But people are counted righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. You with me? I am very confident that we all understand the difference between a wage and a gift. You work, you get compensated for the work you do. Wages are not a gift. They're not. Two totally separate things that work very differently. A gift is, I'm going to give this to you just because I like you. I just love you. It's more, ah, a gift is more about who I am and what I want to give to you than it is you. Oh, that's good. That's good. Paul's point is simple. Abraham does not work and earn his righteousness. No one earns the righteousness of God. You work, you receive wages. You have faith in God, 
And without earning it, God freely grants you perfect righteousness. But then, Brent, we do works that are against the law and it messes up God's righteousness. Is that how, yeah? We're saved by faith from beginning to end, except for when we mess it up. Just throwing it out there as a thought. You have faith in God and without earning it, God freely grants you perfect righteousness. We call this grace. If you were raised in Sunday school, we, call, we, we define grace as unmerited favor. In other words, there's no merit in it. It's just, I showed up and I had 20 bucks, so I gave you 20 bucks. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. I just gave you 20 bucks because I had 20 bucks. Don't stand around me after service. I have no 20 bucks. Okay? You understand the concept of grace is about the giver more than it about, is about the receiver? This is an important part because our grace comes from, from God, from the abundant riches of God. Not from you. You don't get grace because of you. I mean... What we, oh, I'm so far off. What we deserve, the wages of sin, is what? Death. Death. There's no grace. We don't, we don't get to say, well, I'm a pretty good guy, so I'm just gonna take some of God's grace. No! We put our faith in God. And Ephesians 1 says that he, uh, I'm, I'm taking some latitude with it. He opens the windows of heaven and he pours out, he lavishes his grace on us. I've told you before, God's grace is applied kind of like whenever you have that 32 ounce bottle of shampoo and you pour half of it in your, half of the bottle in your hand and then you put it on your head and you rub it all over. Say, well, Brent, that's too much. That's God's grace. That's God's grace. All right. Y'all are thinking about the shower now. You want me to tell you a story? Some of you, I was going to avoid this, but I can't. It's just funny. So, you know, whenever you go to the bank and you want to go through the drive-thru and they give you that tube and you open it up, it has a little latch door and you put stuff in it and then you close it. So I just went on a cruise and the shower is that tube. It's, it's a little bit bigger, just a little bit bigger. If you were a big man, you'd have to rub the soap on the walls and then just get in and <laughs> turn around. It's, it's small. It's very small. So the first time I'm going to get in there, I'm like, if I close this, am I going to go? <laughs> it's a weird feeling, man. End up at guest services. Be like, wow. Hey, send me back to my room quick. has nothing to do with God's grace, has nothing to do with anything, but that was a funny story. All right. God gives you something that you did not earn is the big point. And you did nothing to deserve it. So there's a nuance to this. It's a nuance. This is whenever I go geeking out over some little picky point, but I think that it's very important. I want to take some time with, Paul says in the scripture, he says that people are counted, he says people are counted righteous because of their faith, what's the next two words? 
in God. So this phrase, faith in God, is anchored. This is why I went through Romans chapter 1 at the beginning. It is anchored in Romans chapter 1, where God has revealed himself as God. God has revealed himself in creation as God, as the God. Right? We, have to, we are saved by faith in God. But some refuse to acknowledge the truth about God being God. So here when we get to chapter 4 verse 5 and it says faith in God is not simply believing that there is a little g God. We've gone, kind of gone through this in theology where it's like, well, even the demons believe that there's a God. We're not talking about believing there is a God. But believing that the God, listen carefully, this is so important. The God that is revealed in the Bible is the God and that you need him for righteousness. That that is faith in God. He is the God and I need him for righteousness. Faith in God is recognizing first that God is the supreme divine being. Second, listen carefully, that you are not God. A little bit of a God. No, you're not. Ask your wife if you're God over anything. She'll tell you no. Obviously not. You think you're in control? Just have some kids. First, God is the divine supreme being. Second, you are not God and you are not equal to God. You're not equal to God because we do this thing every once in a while where it's like, well, I want something, so I'm gonna tell God about it and you know, he's gonna do what I want him to do. No, no. God, I'd like to visit with you about something. There's something I'd like for you to change. No, 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 no. You are not God and you're not equal to God. Third, you're a sinner in danger of God's judgment. Have you heard these before? And you are in need of his grace for the forgiveness of your sins against him. Fourth, God is the only one. God is the only one who can offer you salvation, salvation from his impending judgment. Only God can say, I was about to Squish you out, but because of the blood of Jesus, because you trusted in it, I'm going to take your penalty away. Are you with me? Faith in God comes in part from our recognizing our own sinfulness and our confidence in His promise. His promise that he will forgive us and that he will make us right with himself. It's a lot to get your brain around. But Brent, that's simple. That's what we've always been taught. Watch this. I'm gonna read it again. I'm gonna show you the exception. Faith in God comes in part from us recognizing our own sinfulness. That's easy. I mean, we all have had a breakdown in the week, last week or so. And our confidence, here's where it becomes difficult. Our confidence in his promise that he will forgive us and that he will make us right with himself. 
And we say, well, of course, there's only salvation in God because we put our confidence in him. Perfect. And it's faith alone, right? Yes. God makes us right with himself. Okay. So we believe in him. And then we come along and we say, well, actually, I'm not sure if I'm right with God because yesterday on the way, oh no, even better, Friday morning, I got up to go eat breakfast. And after I had loaded up with pancakes, waffles, an omelet, scrambled eggs, fried eggs, sausage, bacon. I discovered something this last week called Italian rope sausage. Oh, that's wonderful. And I had some various pastries and then I went over to the soft serve ice cream machine and, and it was closed. I don't know if it's because of COVID or Bethany and I ate all the ice cream, but it was closed on Friday morning. <clears throat> it was closed. For that moment, I had an unrighteous moment. You've had it too, okay? Hang on to this. When that car pulls out in front of you, you have an unrighteous moment. We have, I like, I got you. Oh, I got you. I so got you. I talk about sin, you're like, oh yeah, I'm there. I talk about forgiveness and we're like, we're not sure. Right? We come to church and we say, oh yeah, forgiven by faith. Yes, great. But Brent, there was this one moment where I was so angry at someone and I believe that God's righteousness stopped because I was not perfect. You are saved by your faith in God, not by your ability to perfectly keep the law. You're not. But Brent, I try to be a Christian I try to be a Christian, but I fail all the time. Of course you do. God knew that. He created this whole thing and said, I created a whole bunch of failures. So now I'm going to magnificently save them. I feel some resistance. The faith movement, I kind of grew up at the Toward the tail end of, of the big faith movement, it's still around to some degree, but if you're, if you're familiar with it at all, the faith movement, in my opinion, distorted this concept back in the 80s and the 90s, uh, and I want to clarify here, okay? So if, are y'all familiar with the faith movement? Kind of the name it and claim it, just have enough faith? Um, you may have heard it on TV. Uh, that's, that's where it's pushed pretty good. Um, faith... Watch this. Faith is not in a specific characteristic. Speaking of showers. Faith is not in a specific characteristic of God, but in God himself. To be God, it's, a, it's a, in God himself to be God and to do what he has promised to do. Got your brain around that? Faith is is not a specific characteristic of God. I'm adding sound effects to my sermon. <laughs> Faith is not in a specific characteristic of God, specifically in his healing, in his power, in his presence. Faith is not in a specific characteristic of God. Do you feel like I'm repeating that for a reason? But in God himself to do, to be God and to do what he has promised to do. Not necessarily what we want, not what we ask, not what we demand, 
Not what we pray long enough for, hard enough for, correct enough for. I mean, I was raised in this period where there was, if you went to the Christian bookstore, for you young people, a bookstore was where we used to have (laughs) books. They were printed out on paper, kind of like, they were printed out like this. Um, You go to the Christian bookstore and you know, there's, there's four Bibles and then there's a whole section on how to pray. You know why? Because our faith was in prayer that if I pray right, pray long enough, pray the right words, then God will do what I want him to do. You're no different than the pagans. If we get our sacrifice just right, once I become acceptable to God, then he'll do what I want him to do. And that's never the picture with God. Not all. It's not. In fact, if we were going to teach prayer from the Old Testament and look and see how the Jews prayed, they were knuckleheads whenever it came to prayer. And God still answered their prayers. Why? Because it was according to his purpose. That was a whole tangent. He is an all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present God. We put our faith in him being God. Abraham's faith was in God. God happens to be able and willing to forgive us of our sins. What do we do? We come to him with a very specific need that we want from him. Father, I want you to forgive me of my sins and I trust that you will forgive me of my sins. And God says, you don't even know who I am. How can you trust me to forgive you of your sins? You see, your children trust you because you're dad, because you're mom. So they come to you and they say, I need 20 bucks. (laughs) And because you're dad or mom, you decide if they need $20. That's the way it works. Abraham's faith was in God. God happens to be able and willing to forgive sinners. It is God's prerogative to make people righteous. What the faith movement did was make faith the center of the equation instead of God. We put our faith in faith. Okay? So we said things like you have to have enough faith. You know, got to have faith as much as a mustard seed. You're saying I don't even have faith as much as a mustard seed? You got to have more faith than that. Well, I'm definitely going to hell if that's the case. You got to have, you must have enough faith. You have to have the right kind of faith. You must have specific faith. I know I'm just stepping on some toes here and I'm enjoying it. The faith that Paul is referring to, Paul, the under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God Almighty. The faith that Paul is referring to here is Abraham believed that God would keep his word to give him many descendants. That's the focus of of Abraham's faith. What did he have faith for? Abraham said, I just trust that God, God said he would give me many descendants, so I think he's gonna give me many descendants. Abraham's faith had nothing to do with forgiveness. Sweetheart, his faith was in the wrong thing. But he had faith. God said he would do what he's gonna do. Simply faith that God would do what he said he would do. That's all. That's all that Abraham said. That's all that Abraham's faith was. God said he would give me many descendants I believe he'll give me many descendants. Do I know how? Nope, have no idea. 
but I trust that what God says is true. And God said, Abraham, you believed. I'm gonna give you many descendants and I'm gonna give you righteousness and eternal life. See how that works? God counted Abraham righteous. God forgave Abraham of all of his grotesque sin. Faith is in God. It's not in how we pray, how often you come to church, pray in the right prayer. Sweetheart, there is no right prayer. There's no right prayer. God, I got problems and this is serious. Well, did you end it with in the name of Jesus? Because you have to say that part. Otherwise, God doesn't hear you. Baloney! We have taught some really bad things in church. Maybe we didn't teach them, but we sure implied them. You have to say, in the name of the greatest father, most holy God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. No amen. Faith is in God, that God will, watch this, God will be faithful to keep his promise. That God is actually God over all. That God knows what is best for you and me. That God is powerful to do what he says he will do. I, I never need to conjure up enough faith to get God to do whatever it is that I want him to do. Have you ever felt that way or been made to feel that way? Sometimes we pray for people to be healed. We do, I do, because I believe that God still heals. And people don't get healed. So then I, even as a pastor, as being a Christian for years, um, I still, I pray for people that are not healed. And it's like, well, it must be because I'm not living right. I don't have enough faith. I didn't say the right words. I didn't do it right. God says, no, Brent. You know what, you narcissistic little knucklehead? It's not about you. It's not about you. God says, hey, Brent, if I want to heal them, I'll get a donkey and they'll be healed. Y'all didn't like that, did you? A donkey. Balaam's donkey. If he can use a donkey, he can use you. There's a whole nother, evidently, I need to preach that sermon because you guys have not heard that. I thought everybody had heard that sermon. Huh. I don't need to conjure up faith. I simply believe that God will do what he said he will do. I can see Abraham walking along. Most pungent story in all of Scripture. I can see Abraham walking along with his son, Isaac. Isaac's 15, 16 years old. He says, Daddy, we've been on a trip for a little while. We're going to worship. Isaac says, Daddy, I see the wood and I see the fire. But where's the sacrifice? And because Abraham, because Abraham had faith in God, just in God, he wasn't, I don't believe that Abraham is walking along trying to figure out how God should and would resolve where they're going. I just think that Abraham is like, God told me to go and so I go. That's kind of Abraham's motif. God says go and I just go. And so if God tells me to go to the mountain and worship and sacrifice my son, then that's what I'll do. So they're walking along. Isaac says, dad, I see the wood, I see the fire. Where's the sacrifice? And because Abraham was a man of faith in God, Abraham said to Isaac, God will provide the sacrifice. I don't know how. I don't know how. I have no idea. But I just know that God 
will provide. There's not a shopping place up there. So if we don't have a sacrifice, let's worry about how this is going to work. No, 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 no. Abraham's just strolling along with his son. God will provide a sacrifice. Abraham had faith in God that God would somehow provide a sacrifice and God would multiply Abraham's descendants even if he had to sacrifice his one and only son. That is huge faith. And that feels like a good stopping point. But let's do one more. Three. Ah, Point number three in seven minutes. Joy in faith. I was raised in church. I'm telling you, I've been around a lot of sour Christians and I think it's because they do not get this message under their belt. They are working at making themselves satisfactory to a holy God. And if you're trying to do that, let me tell you what, you're miserable and you're making the rest of us miserable. I just want to relieve you. Stop going to church. Stop, just give it up. Just quit. That's my, that's my exhortation. If you're working at making yourself holy, quit. That's good. That's good preaching. Well, it is not. No, it's making you soured. It makes, me, it, makes it more difficult for me to be a Christian. <laughs> Joy in faith. I had a real good friend a long time ago. He used to say, some of you look like you're baptizing pickle juice. <laughs> Here's the result. Here's the result of, listen carefully, simply having faith in God to be God and to do what he says he will do. King David got this. This is actually, I'm gonna read it from Romans, but, but Paul is borrowing it from Psalm chapter 32, verses one and two, if you wanna write it down. Verse six, David also spoke of this. Salvation, being made right with God by God's grace, by, through faith, not by works. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness, everyone say happiness, of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Working for righteousness will make you unhappy. Brent, this is so confusing. I know, I love it. Verse seven, he says, Oh, what joy for those for whose disobedience is forgiven. Can you just absorb that for a second? Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven. You stand before God and he says, Brent, you are a stinking, horrible, grotesque sinner. And I say, I know. He says, but Jesus has paid the price. So I'm just gonna wipe all those sins away. I'm gonna wipe all those sins away. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself, aren't I? Did y'all already read the rest of the slide? He says, whose sins are put out of sight. God's sight. Well, but Brent, I know that I sin. Because of the work of Jesus on the cross, because of the blood of Jesus over your life, God has taken your sin and put it out of his sight. If God, who is holy and righteous, perfectly holy and righteous, is not gonna worry about your sin, then why are you worrying about your sin? What, are you gonna do something about it? If you, can, if you can worry and add a hair to your head, no. Well, then how can you worry and get rid of your sin? That's the dumbest thing in the world. No, no, we... Stick to the text, Brent. 
Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. My question is, do you believe that? Yes, Brent, unless I mess it up. That's not the question. Joy. Other translations, they use the word blessed. I like blessed. That's a, that's a rich, meaningful word instead of joy. They use blessed instead of joy. It means, watch this, fully satisfied because of the presence of God inside of you. I am a failure, but because of the presence of God, he has wiped away all of my sinfulness I can breathe a sigh of relief, not because I'm anything special. I'm not, I'm not, and I can prove it. But I believe in God. I believe that he does forgive. And whenever I fail miserably, I believe he forgives. You have been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. on Main Street in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.